This is At Risk Radio. Welcome to At Risk Radio. At Risk Radio is a show where we talk about leadership in the church at risk. My name is Mark Stafford, and I'm the host of the show. Today, I'm here with David Witt and with Russell Stendhal. David Witt is a CEO of SOM International, and Russell, well, he does quite a few things. He's a, an author. He's the editor of the Jubilee Bible. He produces content for a Latin American Christian broadcast, and he's also the director of SOM Latin America. Russell, I want to just go right to you. Um, I, I've been following your uh, your writing and your newsletters and uh, the reports you've been given uh, all throughout this season of COVID-19. And what I've seen from what you've reported back is that there are some really unique challenges that you have faced in both Venezuela and in Colombia. And there's some really incredible opportunities that you faced as well. So tell me a little bit about how you have led the ministry through this very difficult time over the last couple of years. Well, in Colombia, virtually, you know, all meetings got shut down for everybody, not so much in Venezuela. But, um, you know, we had to transition from, you know, having weekly meetings uh, with a fair amount of people to um, home meetings where uh, no more than eight people or nine people were allowed in one home. So what we did was we went virtual. We went uh, to, you know, Developed some YouTube channels and um, beefed up our uh, internet broadcasts on two um, apps that we have. One is Jubilee Radio in English, and the other one is Fuerza de Paz in Spanish. That you can download for free from any app store or iTunes store for Android or for Apple devices. And um, we found that uh, those people listening to us um, um, virtually went way, way up. And uh, uh, downloading of some of our other things, for instance, my da- my daughters had produced a movie many years ago called La Montaña, and um, it had been banned initially in the theaters in Colombia because they, at the time, the government wanted to grill us dead rather than converted. But then, with the peace process and peace treaty, it became more, uh, you know, acceptable. And uh, but we didn't realize it. We just put it on YouTube and forgot about it, and couldn't even remember the the password to get in to the three or four places we posted it on YouTube. And so in the middle of the pandemic, uh, we were, you know, going running around the studio and one of our engineers found the passwords and lo and behold, there'd been more than 10 million downloads of that movie. Wow. And it was going on at a wow. rate of 60 or 70,000 a day. And now it's hit over 20 million. Well, tell me this, Russell. I mean, with La Montaña, I watched La Montaña, and it, it does have subtitles in English. For those of you who are not Spanish speakers, it's originally in Spanish. Uh, it's an incredible story about how the cartels and your ministry you know, interacted and how the gospel went forward. Can you tell us a little bit about, give us a synopsis of the La Montaña movie? Well, yeah, everybody was fighting over a mountain. That's what La Montaña means. It means the mountain. And so, um, you know, they had killed thousands of people on that mountain and tens of thousands of people had been forced to flee their homes and the villages and their um, farms and sizable sizable villages and even small cities totally totally disoccupied so we got involved on that mountain and started to evangelize the fighting factions of which there were three main groups the the marxist guerrillas the right-wing paramilitary you know, akin to the death squads that were operating years ago in Central America. And the Colombian army actually trying to maintain order and fighting both sides. And then, of course, the paramilitary and the guerrillas had their contacts with different mafia groups 
who were buying the cocaine from the area. Sometimes the same buyer buying from both sides. The place was mined. Anybody trying to take food up the mountain was waylaid and maybe killed. They were trying to starve out the gorillas. So, so everyone was desperate. So the, so the um, guerrilla commanders, I had known one of them from years before. He'd been one of the men that had taken me hostage and kidnapped me back in 1983. And actually was the one who helped me get out of there because he was the highest ranking um, native uh, indigenous person on the, in the guerrillas. And so um, they couldn't risk offending him and, and offending his you know, fellow tribes people. And so he told them that they got the wrong person because he was well aware of our work with, mm-hmm. with, with the tribes, with my father's background. And uh, hmm. eventually that was the key to me getting out of there. So now he was in trouble and uh, he wanted me to help him get food and medicine and hopefully try and negotiate peace for that mountain. So that's the story of that movie. Then you had an incredible chance in the midst of all of that uh, conflict to penetrate that mountain with the gospel as well. Can you tell us a little bit about how you were able to bring the gospel into that middle of that very troublesome situation? Well, the, the breakthrough happened through a, through a misunderstanding, a major misunderstanding. And they told me that they wanted to, um, me to find a Catholic priest named Father Julian. And Father Julian had been, they'd ran him out of the mountains. He'd had a boarding school up there and he had ministry up there and gorillas had mistreated him and been very not mean to him and had ran him out of the mountains. Well, now they were thinking, you know, we shouldn't have done that to Father Julian. We need to invite him back up here. And if he can come back up here, maybe he can bring food and medicine and maybe we can start, you know, getting things opened up a little bit. And so go find us Father Julian and bring him up here. See, but we, in another sense, you know, all the communications were probably being tapped by one, you know, somebody, and um, so we had code words on the phone. And so if they told me that uh, if they if they said Roman Catholics um, in our code, that that meant the paramilitary. Hmm. And if they said evangelicals, that meant the army, the Colombian army. <laughs> and so when they told me to go get the priest. Father Julian, the, the the paramilitary commander at the base of the mountain, his name was Julian. Hmm. So, and I grilled him. I mean, you really want Julian? I mean, what in the world? You know, is the you know? Yeah, yeah. Because their authority almost everywhere, and we want him to come and pronounce himself according to recent developments. So I thought, well, man, you know, they want to contact Joe with the paramilitary. They want to try and make peace. So I went over there and told that to Julian, the paramilitary commander, and he thought, oh, they're going to surrender. You know, I'm, you know, let's let's take him up on it. You know, so he didn't want to go up himself. So he sent his number two up, that was called Gabriel. And the guy looked exactly like a priest. He had a little bald spot. He had a turtleneck sweater. He, you know, I took him into the gorilla camp, and they were sure they had the priest. So they took him off to one side and figured, you know, they'd butter him up by confessing some of their sins and (laughs) get absolved. (laughs) It went on from there until finally they figured the thing out, and the whole meeting blew up. And then they called me in there to find out who in the world. They they still thought it was a priest, but they were terrible mad because why would the priest not at least be impartial? I mean, how come he insists on being a paramilitary, see? And why does he insist on, on them surrendering to the paramilitary? So when I explained that he was the paramilitary, it was like throwing a bucket of cold water over him. Of course he's going to be the paramilitary. So 
And they had just got done telling me you know, they were so desperate they wanted anybody that could help solve the problem. And they told me I could take whoever I wanted to up there. So I had to remind them of all that. They couldn't just kill this guy or hold him or get me and my family in a lot of trouble. And so um, we sat them all down and they headed out. Five <laughs> hours of each side repeating all the dastardly deeds that the other side had done to them. And then at the end, uh, I was able to you know come and say, um, you know, um, you're never going to have peace the way you're going. You know? Yeah, right. It's going to require repentance, and you're going to have to be willing to forgive one another. Well, you know what's incredible is when we have you know these times of extreme situations, it opens up these new opportunities for the gospel to come in. And when we get back uh, from this break, I want to talk a little bit about how God's used La Montaña, how God has opened up some new doors, all because of this time of lockdown. We'll be right back. At Risk Radio. Can you imagine trying to disciple a church with only one Bible? This is Mark Stafford from At Risk Radio, and our contacts in Venezuela are telling us incredible stories about people coming to know Jesus, all the while pastors are missing Bibles for their people. After receiving a Bible from our ministry, one man said with tears in his eyes, no one has ever given me such a beautiful gift. At Risk Radio, in our partnership with SOM International, is working to bring 2 million Bibles into Venezuela. For more information about how you can help, go to atriskradio.com. Welcome back to At Risk Radio. I'm online with David Witt and with Russell Stendahl. David Witt is the CEO of SOM International, and Russell Stendahl is the director of SOM Latin America. And we just heard about how God has been using La Montaña, a movie that Russell produced a long time ago, uh, right now during the pandemic, to reach people once again with the gospel. Now, David, you were a part of the whole unfolding of of La Montaña. You were, you were right there in the, uh, the midst of all of that. So tell us a little bit about uh, your experience with that movie and how it's impacted people. Yeah, Russell, uh, you know, you and I were together, of course, with so much of the distribution. We saw hundreds of thousands of DVDs go out and we did those public showings where villages came out. And I mean, they were impacted with tears, repentance. The Holy Spirit was was uh, moving it. But, uh, it, you know, it, it, we had a probably uh, a, a few million during that time. But it's pretty profound when we think about over 10 million uh, downloads looking towards 20 million. Uh, wow. So obviously COVID changed things spiritually. Uh, what do you think it is that how God, as, as we think about what God's doing and how we as leaders can, you know, see what the Lord's doing, leverage the tools God's given to us. How do you think that God uh, and what is God doing with uh, and use COVID for to really change the spiritual environment to all of a sudden people being drawn to like the movie La Montaña, and, and as a leader, how you've been able to respond to that? Well, yeah, you know, people were locked in their homes and nothing to do. And they started downloading La Montaña and telling their friends. And then they started downloading our YouTube messages. And all of a sudden, one of our YouTube channels, YouTube sends us a, you know, big, you know, nice prize for 100,000 100, downloads in a short period of time. And uh, things just started to hum. And um, so the Lord used uh, COVID to our advantage. You know, I was... Uh, preaching through the book of Isaiah 
in English and in Spanish. You know, I preach a chapter in English and then the same chapter in Spanish and back and forth and only allowed to have nine people in a meeting. And most of what we could round up were just little kids, but they were on target and they were um, eating it up. And so I would be going down the, you know, <laughs> the chapter and <laughs> some little girl would raise her hand and say, but Mr. Stendhal, you missed, you missed verse 13. Would you please go back and explain it to me? And so we had the most wonderful time uh, preaching through Isaiah during COVID. What's some of the things that the Lord really spoke to you that were maybe even fresh in your life during this last season? I mean, even Isaiah, of course, you've been through Isaiah, you've preached in, in the past, but you did this whole, whole new preaching series during COVID. Um, was there was there anything fresh about it, new? Was it just a listening audience? I mean, how did it impact you? Well, Isaiah, of course, has to do the, one of the primary themes of the book of Isaiah is still in the future. It's called the Day of the Lord. And the Day of the Lord, you know, the main event of the Day of the Lord is the second coming of Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of things that happen before and after the second coming that are described in detail in Isaiah. But it's all in code words. It's all coded as far as the names and the places and the and the, and the uh, groups that are dealt with. And if you break the code and realize what is really talking about, then it applies to us today uh, you know, very specifically. And so um, uh, there's going to be a lot of unrest and there's going to be uh, things happen and uh, we could be coming into it. So the, my question was, is COVID just an isolated thing, you know, uh, something that just happened? Um, I mean, there have been other pandemics, there have been other problems in the world, but this seems to be a global situation and the uh, end result is going to be, you know, more more than just the people that uh, got sick or people that died. I, I think it's going to have a devastating economic impact and also quite a political impact. And so this is a, a worldwide uh, thing. And if we really are coming into the day, the, the day of the Lord, and if this really is leading into it, uh, for those that are out in the world and rebelling against God, things are not going to get better. They're going to get considerably worse before this is over. What I want to add to that, Russell, is I really appreciate your teaching how you show uh, the, the book of Isaiah, the dividing between the unrighteous and the righteous, between the uh, contaminated heart and the clean heart, and how God is bringing victory to his congregation, his true church, and the maturity of the church. And, you know, I want to encourage people to get his book. We definitely have that. We're, we're encouraging people to read it. We just think it's apropos for the days we're living in. Russell, remind people of the name of it and how they could get it even at our websites, uh, At Risk Radio, Spirit of Martyrdom, and go to our store. What's uh, Remind us of the name of it. The name is Discerning the Day of the Lord. Discerning the Day of the Lord. It's a commentary on the book of Isaiah. And the main point is, if you're right with God, you don't have anything to fear about going into the future. If your heart is clean before God, you, uh, you're going to be um, on the winning side of this thing. And uh, if your heart isn't right with God, then uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, 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 trouble and unrest. And uh, if we compare this with the 10 plagues in Egypt as God was taking his people out of Egypt under Pharaoh and sent Moses. The first three plagues affected everybody. It affected the Israelites, the Egyptians, everybody. But the last seven plagues were selective. They didn't affect God's people who paid attention to what God was saying through Moses. They only affected those who were in rebellion against God, and they were devastating. 
Well, we're going to have to cut it there because we're running out of time, Russell. So maybe we'll pick it up in a later episode. Uh, We want to encourage you to get involved with those who are risking much for Jesus. You can get involved by subscribing to our newsletter. And we want to make sure that you know about what's happening in Colombia and Venezuela with Russell's ministry. And we'll give you a full color newsletter every month that gives you pictures and a report with what's happening in Venezuela and Colombia and the ministry of Russell Stendhal. You can sign up at atriskradio.com. You can also help this podcast by subscribing to it, by sharing it with a friend, or by leaving a comment below. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have questions for us, please email us those questions. And lastly, At Risk Radio and SOM International are crowdfunded ministries. We're supported as you sign up to be a monthly donor or as you buy books specifically. We love it when you buy Russell's books. Both Russell's books and La Montagna are at our bookstore. Uh, The SOM bookstore is located at spiritofmartyrdom.com. Until next time, my name is Mark Stafford, and this has been At Risk Radio. You've been listening to At Risk Radio. For more, go to atriskradio.com. At Risk Radio is a production of SOM International.